Podcast. Uh, we are on minute 26 and I'll host today Chris and with me we have Priyank and Mike as always. Hello guys, how are we? Priyank, you were just away on a trip. You, you got back from a, from a lovely trip to India. How was, how was your trip? Yeah, it was beautiful. I went on a pilgrimage. And as you guys know, we, we, me and the wife like to go on pilgrimages and so yeah, it was very good. Um, went in in search for some spirituality in the Himalayas. It's some very ancient uh, temples and energy spaces. And unfortunately, didn't meet Babaji, but uh, maybe next time. That you know of. <laughs> That's true. He true. wasn't there that you know of, yeah. True, true. And Mike, how's the, how's the ice lattes on the western coast of... Uh, <laughs> 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 <I think that's laughs> haven't had one in a while. It's a good idea. I, I went to I went to Encinitas on the weekend, um, also in search of pilgrimage. Maybe not like the Himalayas, but yeah, nice mm -hmm. place. Nice. Very nice, very nice. Well, very very happy to be back um, uh, at the at the minute by minute analysis, and we have a change of tone for this minute. Uh, really, I noted looking back over the last uh, minutes, there was a you know after the uh, you know, young Kunda's uh, mother passing away. There was a period of very somber, um, serious uh, uh, material there that we we covered, and we shifted to look at more of an adventurous, joyful, optimistic tone where Yogananda was on this uh, search for his guru. And then now again, we've shifted gears in this minute to more of a, let's say, um, real uh, life. Uh, of a of a aspiring yogi, where uh, Yogananda or Makunda is really having to work hard for um, for uh, to earn his stripes, really, isn't he? So uh, we have a minute um, whereby uh, Yogananda is with his guru, uh, his master Swami Sri Yukteswar, and we see scenes of uh, young Makunda uh, in his teenage years, you know, cleaning uh, with a very rudimentary looking brush mm. uh, uh, just doing his chores really uh, with uh, Sri Yukteswar you know watching over very intently <laughs> just literally standing over him as he as he does his chores uh, and then we have scenes of uh, um, you know pictures actually of Sri Yukteswar and, and uh, a very young um, you know Mikinda uh, and we can go over over uh, uh, those in more detail in due course. But uh, Makunda meditating in an open doorway of a building, with again Sri Yukteswar watching him very closely, uh, and uh, you know making sure that he is indeed both doing his chores and meditating properly. So really, this is a minute all about the the work beginning uh, for for young Makunda uh, on his journey of self-realization. Um, so let's. Let's jump into it, shall we? Um, so we have uh, in the very um, early uh, scene um, where Yogananda or young Mukunda is, is cleaning and we have a narrator's voice uh, of Yogananda saying, my guru you know, could not be bribed, bribed even by love. Um, and there's talk about egotism here and how Yogananda had certainly ego uh, at this stage of his life and Sri Yukteswar was working with him 
to uproot it. But first, I wanted to touch on the very mundane subject of chores. So we see you're going to do these chores. Why is it important to do the chores? And what is the importance of doing your daily chores? And secondly, can you do your chores with a smile? Priyanka, how, how, how are you with your chores? Do you do them with loving intent with masters, uh, songs and praise singing through your mind? Or? I actually, I actually relish um, simple jobs like chores because they don't require much thinking. <laughs> I don't like to think. Um, like um, you know, chores, when you're doing mundane, I quote mundane things, um, it's like a pickaxe, you know. You you're working away, chunk, small chunk by small chunk on your, on yourself, you know, on resistance, any resistance that you may have to supposedly menial menial labour, etc. So I really I really like doing menial things, <laughs> do it with involvement, and for some reason I, I get a great sense of achievement. Um, uh, feel like I'm kind of losing myself a little bit. And time does go pretty fast when I do it. And I feel like it's mm -hmm. much more efficient than doing that something that requires a lot of thinking and creativeness, creativity and, yeah. I don't know. Would, would, you, would you agree, Mike? You're, you're nodding. You're nodding intently. I, I, I see, see some of the reins there, but, you know, if Yogananda was there saying, right, Mike, you've got to sweep my floor day in, day out. <laughs> Make sure that you know everything's clean. Wax, wax, wax on, <laughs> wax off, Mike. <laughs> I think. I mean, of course, there's probably moments where, rather than sweeping the floor, you'd rather just lie on the couch and <laughs> not do that. But <laughs> I, I agree with the, the sentiment to do simple jobs that are that have a beginning and an end and everything. Like my. My work is usually just sitting in front of a computer and programming something. And the tasks are often not very well defined and you always have to look for solutions. And um, <clears throat> like having something, and especially when you say you can do it for the guru, is it's twice as rewarding. It feels really good like when, you, when you're able to serve in your local group or somewhere, it's, it's, it's very nice. Um, doing your my chores at home and saying I'm doing my laundry for the guru. That's a bit of a step up, I guess. I have to do a lot more visualizing to make myself believe that. And but yeah, I I do agree with the sentiment that simple jobs are are nice because they have a beginning and an end, and you feel like you have that feeling that you did did them great. And hmm. it, it reminds me. For God, do everything for God, yeah. It's uh, easier said than done, I think, mm -hmm. uh, whenever you've uh, got a stack full of dishes to clean. Although mm -hmm. I, I, I would tend to agree with you, Frank. I, I actually quite enjoy the mundaneness of it's a meditation for me, really. You know, and I heard there was a, a line in, in Buddhism where there was a monk, I think, there that said that they can become enlightened through doing the dishes and they would just scrub away all the karma you know, in the meditation just time and time again. So I like, I like that idea. But it, this got me thinking of um, one of the teachings, uh, maybe, maybe it's more so in the lessons uh, of SRS. So I can't go into too much detail really, but uh, you guys probably know the story of 
of uh, <clears throat> there was a, a young devotee uh, out in in the uh, jungles uh, somewhere of, in India, and he was getting very uh, very um, yeah very very lazy and didn't want to do his chores, and he was saying that you know he would rather be meditating, and uh, you know he he would actually and ended up you know finding a spot to meditate and as time went on he accrued more and more responsibilities and then eventually he was leading the same life if not you know a life with more responsibilities and chores and things to do than before <laughs> so uh th this this uh is something that to me is almost inevitable you know we have these seemingly mundane aspects of life that there really is no escaping for most of us anyway, unless you have somebody to, to, to do them for you 24 seven, but um, there's joy to be found in everything, right? And it does make me think that life is wondrous in every single aspect. And even with these things of, you know, cleaning the dirt off, you know, any surface can be, you know, some, there's some wonder in it. So there is probably more the appreciation, appreciating the very minute natures of reality to the natures of reality that we all want to focus on, which is the wondrous and the, and the magical and the, you know, the, the novel. Uh, this is something we have to do every single day. So, so yeah, I, I like the way they, they included that in this minute. And I liked how they in, included the presence of Sri Yukteswar standing over, literally standing over uh, young Kunda when he did his, his chores. And it speaks a little bit to the style of, um, uh, let's say, uh, teaching that, that uh, Sri Yukteswar had. So maybe we can kind of delve into that a little bit <coughs> before we, we go on. Sri Yukteswar, guys, tell me, what, what, was, he, what was he like, Mike? What, what, was he, what was he sort of known for as a guru? Uh, and, uh, you know, would you, we've talked about it before, you know, would you, would you prefer his style of um, leadership and, and teachings compared to maybe Yogananda's? What was the difference between the two? I'll, I'll get back to I'll get back to which one I would prefer uh, later. Um, I think Sri Yukteswar is um, he was known to be very direct. He wouldn't hold back, um, and that kind of like the way Guruji describes it in the AY is that uh, the close disciples that knew who he was, that knew that he knew God, they mm -hmm. revered him like no one else. But people who um, didn't know what was really going on, they felt often hurt and they came once and they, they got a blunt response and they never came back. And uh, Guruji remarks a lot on that. He, he also says that it was important for Sri Yukteswar to be financially independent um, because he didn't want to have to, how do you put this? Like uh, um, he wanted to be able to, to have his style and his bluntness with everybody. He didn't want to depend on anybody. So he had those properties and he was able to be self-sufficient. Um, and he talked to Guruji in, as, when he entered the hermitage, he said, you will have a different style with your um, chelas. Um, and that's good because when you go to the West, they will, they will not appreciate <laughs> the, the very direct, blunt way that I have. And um, as to what would I prefer? I don't know, I'll take either one, I guess. As long as 
you know that he's a god relapsed master, he will get you there. Uh, I'll take whatever. <laughs> Very good, Priyank. Yeah. What, what are your comments on Sri Yukteswar's style of guruship? Sri Yukteswar appeals probably most to me out of our, personally, to me out of our lineage. Sri Yukteswar, you, know, you can see his method quite clearly. With Yogananda's methods of discipleship or training, it's kind of like it, he, he's different to different in different scenarios. He's different to different people. You know, it's it, it's much more you know love and as, as Yukteswar intimates in the autobiography that his that that was his way. And Dehri Masha is this kind of ethereal figure that uh, you, you sense that his his training was much more subtle. You know, do your kriyas. I'll I'll help you, but you know, won't necessarily see my help. You know, you won't see my helping hand, even though it will be quite uh, obvious to someone who's an outsider. And Mahathir Babaji is obviously on the completely other end of that scale in terms of uh, knowing anything about him and the work that he's doing. You know, we read with wonder and awe at the stories in the autobiography and the yogi about about uh, about him but Sri Yukteswar for me I think his personality and his approach is for me would work wonders <laughs> I really I personally I thrive with discipline um, as you guys probably probably well know about me by now um, so I think it would for me personally it would work very very well mm -hmm. I was saying before we, we jump on this call I reckon, you know, Sri Yukteswar's style of discipline, which go down really well in this modern day where discipline seems to be, you know, from my perspective, very much lacking um, in, in the world, you know. Um, so I think there, there's a real need for the balance, right? And, you know, Yogananda, I've heard stories of Yogananda being told by, by monks who were, you know, with him uh, that they would... Uh, at times when there was maybe negativity in conversation, uh, Yogananda's face would look, you know, he would look away and he would then have a face of, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, righteousness and, 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 you know, his eye was always on the prize, you know, of, you know, keeping his, keeping his mind on God, keeping his you know, third eye on God, um, and really uh, being a very positive individual. Um, and uh, so, so they, they had the same discipline uh, expressed in different ways, you know, from what I can, you know, understand it, but Guruji was much more, um, you know, softer with his, his approach uh, than, than uh, Sri Yukteswar's. And Yogananda describes it here as, as discussed in the documentary, that the flattening of his ego was very hard to bear at times. And it, it was uh, like uprooting uh, his uh, diseased uh, teeth from, from his jaw. So it really describes it in quite a poignant way to say like he was he was getting hammered on probably every uh, egotistical you know thought word or action and of course Sri Yukteswar would often come to him in his meditations and say you know either you're not meditating properly you know you need to kind of get to it. he would always know exactly when you know what was going on with Yogananda so he would have wouldn't have had anywhere to hide um, and you know we we see these pictures here. Uh, in, in the next scene uh, of a very young Sri Yukteswar, uh, look at, looking you know absolutely splendid in his uh, in his full head. Um, what would you what would you call that? Uh, is it a, 
turban as well. So looking wonderful in his turban and um, in his garments. And then uh, I, a rather disheveled looking Yogananda <laughs> or uh, Mukunda looking almost, would you say, tired or um, a little bit ruffled uh, and very, very somber looking um, uh, on, on his face. You know, what, what, what do you guys make of this uh, expression on, on, on his face? What, what do you make of this picture? Yeah, again, this is, I think this, this picture might have been taken around the time where he was, you know, we had those two pictures in the earlier minute when he was setting up the school and we had all those teachers around him, uh, his students around him. So, yeah, no, I, again, this is a different, uh, a different aspect of his personage. And, yeah, obviously it's, it's quite unique. It's quite every picture that he is in, you know, of that we have of him, it feels has carried a diff very different energy and a different feeling. And this is this also is in that same ilk. Yeah. Like what what was what was your impressions when you saw this picture of Yogananda pop up? It's a very different picture to the one that we meditate to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks very young. I was wondering how old is he there? Like he was born in 1893, right? So then he would have finished school um, at um, 1911, 1910, something like that. In 1920, he was already in America and he was 10 years in the hermitage. So he was about 17 years old, I guess, that mm. picture. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's um, the, the pictures of young Mukunda, they look great because he... You, you hear all the stories of him and all the sometimes the mischievous things he did. But then most of the pictures I see from him being young is like being somewhere meditating. And he looks like if you look at his eyes, they look so focused. They look mm. like that. They, they look like I know exactly what I want from life. <laughs> yeah. Do not get yeah. in my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, was, he, he tended to be from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, quite a purist in his ideas. You know, he wanted to meditate, didn't he, Yogananda? Um, and he often talked about organizations, kind of his his attitude towards them is a bit of a, you know, deep breath. You know, really, is it necessary to do this? Why can't we all just simply meditate <laughs> on God? But, uh, you know, he, he learned and he came to realize, I believe, through Sri Yukteswar, that with the, the value of organization. Um, uh, and he obviously went on to do wondrous things uh, with the skills that he, he you know, received during his time in the Hermitage. Um, and I, th I think it really was his attitude towards, you know, having to do the nitty gritty dirty work, the hands-on uh, organization and cleaning that he, he probably had to overcome, you know, over these years. Uh, so yeah, um, but very, very good, very good images to show the contrast you know, of a very young, youthful, energetic looking Sri Yukteswar with a bit of a, bit of a tired <laughs> looking, looking the, so uh, kudos to, to, the, uh, to the documentary makers for that one. I think Priyank, you had um, a, a bit of a reading to, to, to read out. Um, do you want to yes. do that now? So the autobiography of Yogi very, very eloquently describes what, uh, Sri Yukteswar was like, and I, I really liked um, really liked some of these passages. I'll just read them out. His every utterance was measured and chiselled by wisdom. 
a sublime self-assurance marked his mode of expression. It was unique. He spoke as none other in my experience ever spoke. His thoughts were weighed in a delicate balance of discrimination before he permitted them an outward garb. The essence of truth, all pervasive with an, even a psychological aspect, came from him like a fragrant exudation of the soul. I was conscious always that I was in the presence of a living manifestation of God. The weight of his divinity automatically bowed my head before him. Uh -huh. very, very profound. Mike, what, uh, what's your take on that? Would, would you feel uh, this emanating from the pictures of Sri Yukteswar? Every time, every time I look at the picture of Sri Yukteswar, I, I get what Priyank just read out there in the, in the form of a look. <laughs> you have this thing. Yeah, it's like Priyank said earlier that he, um, is, he seems to be like the disciplinarian of the gurus, definitely. And, and like in, in, and with disciplinarian, it comes also like, I mean, I never, I never saw him in person, but this composure, this like, he's, he, he talks only when, and when he talks something, says something, it, it's very meaningful. And, and so he's, um, uh, always very present and that's kind of it, it all fits in with the kind of image of Sri Yukteswar and some people get this just from looking at this picture how he he means business yeah, he's not not to be trifled with um, so so we have we have a very um, strong image you know and, and strong message you know, being uh, uh, communicated to us through these uh, pictures and, and, and videos uh, that uh, the documentaries shown. So I really like uh, how they've done it. Um, and there, there was something interesting by the narration um, said uh, about teacher, teachers. Some teachers might tell you to believe but, uh, and then pull out your eyes of reason. Um, but uh, Sri Yukteswar was very much, you know, um, the, the, the individual who wanted to teach uh, discernment and you know rationality and, and logic and reason um, to his his uh, disciples, uh, and the way that uh, it was put here was uh, I want you to keep your eyes of reason open, uh, and that was very significant to, to me when, when I heard this because this is really what the foundations to me of uh, SRFR is it not you know the science of yoga. Mike, what, what, what's, what's your take on this? What, what do you think he meant by keeping your eyes reason open? You have to see it in the context of the time as well. Um, and we are in the, like when, when somebody, especially back in the day, I guess, went to a Swami and to a tour renunciant and was looking for counsel, that's really like you are not in, it's not a scientific place, right? You're in a place of like, almost like a place of worship and it's like religion. And it's how you can, you can compare it to like when you're in the West, you go to a church and you ask your, your priest. I'm not sure if you can really compare it like that, but, um, and he was, um, he always cared about um, the latest scientific discoveries. And he always liked to draw, connect the dots you know, and, and this is, 
kind of this kind of notion of combining science and religion together. I think that was always at the forefront. And I feel like a lot of his disciples, they found that super exciting. And maybe that's also an important trait that you need to have when you're a guru in the Dwapara Yuga. Mm -hmm. I, I, th I think the magical language, just to correct myself, was I, I, will, I will open in you the eye of wisdom. So the eye of wisdom is, you know, quite an abstract term. You know, how do we ground that into, you know, uh, our understanding? Um, Priyank, what, what do you think is, is meant by so eye the, of wisdom? So going back to your previous question, he doesn't want anyone to be with him through blind, blind faith. Mm -hmm blind um you know just blind worship which um obviously a lot of people do do he wants he wants yogananda to experience his divinity through wisdom and through intuition and that's what that eye of wisdom is about and he's he's saying that he will he will help him open that eye of wisdom so until until that eye is open don't just don't just accept, don't just believe everything, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to actually experience it. Mm -hmm. And very few, very few people, very few, very few teachers can offer that kind of counsel because, you know, when you, when you're in, for example, in school, you're, you know, if you're taught the, you know, the equation for like gravity and things like that, or weight, you know, mass times gravity, then you just get to, you just get told these things are mass is this concept, mass is measured in kilograms. What's a kilo? What's what is mass? You just you're blindly believing these, you know, these expressions. But with 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 this teaching, it's a very dynamic process in in its learning, and it doesn't want you to accept any minutia of just blind belief. And he goes to take, taking the skill of having opened his eye of wisdom, he goes on to interpret things like the Gita, right? And, you know, he, he was given this as a key, you know, to unlock the truths of the world, wasn't he? So it's the greatest gift, isn't it? It's the, it's the um, you know, give a man a a fish and he can eat for a day versus teach you know teach them how to fish and he can feed himself in the village sort of sort of um idea um and he's really you know when i when i, when I hear all this you know in this very short minute there's so much echoing throughout the teachings of srf isn't there um which yogananda really talks about of discipline of um you know of, of focus and constant or concentration but of wisdom and and um there, there's stories you know throughout as i mentioned earlier uh there's there's other ones you know on belief as well isn't there so it's it's kind of directly linking through you know the lineage of gurus just passing these wonderful teachings one by one you know onto us you know these hundreds of thousands of disciples across the world um having these little ripples after these one-to-one -one private conversations of Sri Yukteswar to Yogananda. And then, you know, the, the ripples are really turning into waves, you know. It's, it's a real great thing to kind of see because it's such, they do quite a good job of showing it being quite an intimate relationship between 
Yogananda and Sri Keshwar. It's very one-to-one -one. and we see this in the next scene where you see, you know, young Kunda meditating in what seems to be just an open doorway in, in a building in the Hermitage must be. Um, and again, Sri Yukteswar standing outside, gazing down on and, uh, you know, Mukunda uh, you know, must have realized it and looked over and sees his master standing there and tries to go back into meditation. Um, just before we jump on this, this call to, to record, Piranak, you were telling us about your trip to India and how you were in these wonderful temples, but uh, around you there were various distractions. So, you know, it must be quite distracting for your master to be there, you know, at the same time as inspiring for your master to be there um, because uh, you know that your master will know that whether you are truly meditating <laughs> and or not. So, so you know, what, what's, what's been your experience? Have you had any kind of similar experience where you've got like a presence, a presence around you? Uh, I'd, I'd, to I'd, I'd hate that. <laughs> imagine if, imagine if you were being watched whilst trying to meditate. It's like even like, even when when people are watching you doing just day to day activities, you'd like, no, don't watch me. I don't. I don't like to be. <laughs> don't like to be yeah. stared at. Let alone, yeah, Sri Yukteswar watching him. In the, as is depicted in that scene, watching him meditate, and then Yogananda looks and then goes back into his meditative state. And in the previous minute, that also happens. You know, when he first meets him and they're meditating side by side, Yogananda looks up and Yogananda is still meditating. So then he decides to go back into his meditation. But no, I used to, I used to hate that, especially when my teachers used to <laughs> watch me. They, and sometimes they do it to psych you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's where's the strangest place you you've meditated, Mike? I'll go to you for this one first. <laughs> where's where's the strangest place, or most most uh, unique place that you've meditated? Not so strange anymore. It, I feel like when I was young, and I would meditate in public, I I had such a hard time focusing. I was so self conscious. I was constantly thinking, what are they thinking of me? And now this is just, it has become a normal thing. I mean, it still depends on kind of where you are and stuff, but like if you're now sitting in a train station or in an airport and you meditate, I really don't care anymore. Like this is just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to get my med evening meditation in. Let's do it here. That's it. <laughs> I mean, airports even have those kind of, prayer rooms now where you can go. I went to a few of those. Those are always interesting places. Um, um, yeah. But that's, that's Yogananda's favorite place, isn't it? World, a world of religions coming together to pray and mm -hmm. meditate. And... Yeah, that was... that, that's, that's the idea of it. I, I didn't really find it that way when I came to those, but <laughs> I, and it's different in different countries. Like I remember in, I think it was Frankfurt airport. They had a one prayer room for Catholics, one for Protestants mm -hmm. and one no, for Muslims, I think. And I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> You're trying too hard, stop it. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's kind of defensible as well. Because defendable because um i once was in a in a, a prayer room 
multi-faith rooms they sometimes call it and there was a muslim chap and he had the his the prayers on loudspeaker and i was like oh thanks thanks for that that's really really helpful for someone that's not listening wanting to listen to your specific challenging you priyank you still have to go deep not not there yet but interestingly chris back to your question (laughs) today i mean just very recently i've started i've got a very cheap casio watch and i've said i've started to use for the once in my life i've used that function where every hour it beeps I don't know if you, most Casios have this. And I thought, yeah, I thought I'd use this to every hour, if if I can, to step away from what I'm doing and do just even a one minute meditation. And today I was, I was at work and uh, I had a clipboard in one hand. I was looking at some part. And so I, had, I like this engineering part for, that fits on a train and another. And I was in this like corridor, which had like hundreds of, shelves of stuff and behind me there was loads of workers and things like that so I had this thing and then my beep went off and I was like okay if I just close my eyes now everyone's gonna like see that I'm doing something weird like with my eyes closed and standing so what I do I'll, I'll face the wall and have the clipboard up here so I'm, it'll look like I'm reading so then I did that <laughs> and I had a really really good meditation <laughs> and all the while people were like hammering and stuff behind me it was so good <laughs> yeah just just a note to listeners don't do that if operating heavy machinery yeah <laughs> oh yeah my, my my one hour beep is coming driving a forklift truck or something or a lorry or <laughs> and then someone someone when i told one of my friends this when i was on the pilgrimage he said oh you don't need to you shouldn't need to rely on the hour beep for that you should do it like you know at all times I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really there yet. I need the, I need the hour, I need the yeah. hour beep reminder. Well, that was going to be my, my next, my next point was, you know, um, Yogananda talks about being completely immersed in, 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 uh, in, in God, uh, 24/7, and I, I find the only way I can do this is if I have, is if I have a chat going on in my mind, where that is keeping me somewhat in tune with you know a meditative or prayer state that is you know the only way i mean listeners share share your hints and tips because i think the three of us would uh, certainly i can speak for myself be open to uh, to, to learning uh, and developing some some techniques to being constantly immersed in in, uh, in god but um, but yeah I, I i have a similar story at work there's a there's a prayer meditation spot few years ago and I would go in there uh, and uh, and try to find you know the eastward position I just find myself in a very really awkward angle in in the room that you know if, uh, somebody came in probably wonder what's going on but um, yeah, I've got a good um, possible at work to do these things but yeah go ahead yeah, yeah that's that's true it definitely is much more possible but in in, in reference to Sri Yukteswar is a elevated uh, exalted position in the autobiography it writes um Always one with the Lord, he needed no separate time for communion. A self-realized master has already left behind the stepping stone of meditation. The flower falls when the fruit appears, but saints often cling to spiritual forms for the encouragement of disciples. Yeah, sort of goes back to what Mark was saying, I guess, that we had on uh, two, two episodes ago, I think it was. 
um, he was questioning as to whether or not Yogananda was actually going through these events and challenges and experiences so just solely for our own, own benefit. And I suppose in a paradoxical way, you could say both, uh, both things might be true that he simply was going through it himself, but also doing it for, for us, you know, both might be uh, true in, in, in the same instance. But um, just when you said that, it reminded me actually, go ahead, sorry, Mike, go, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm pretty sure he only did it for us. Mm. I don't think he did it for his own sake. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We 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 talked about this. Definitely, he was awake in, in in his mother's womb. So you know, <laughs> how much, much, much more do you need? But um, uh, I, you know, it, it reminds me of a story of Sri Yukteswar kind of going into Samadhi state and the breathless state when Yogananda was in the room. And it was when he was lying down sleeping, right? Or just in the more early morning time or something like this. Um, so, you know, he, he was he was all in Samadhi states uh, almost, almost constantly, Sri uh, from the stories that we've heard, uh, which is really wonderful. Um, and so the, moving on, the next uh, part in the uh, documentary, you know, we talk uh, a little bit um, more just about the 10, it was 10 years um, in, the, in the hermitage, uh, as it was said, um, that were passed. Uh, and we didn't go into too much detail on that in, in the documentary. So there's obviously quite a lot that happens in there. And we know from the autobiography of a yogi, uh, a lot of these stories, and I'm sure we all have our sort of favorite uh, stories uh, in there uh, from what happened uh, when Yogananda was uh, in his master's hermitage. So, Frank, maybe do, do you want to share one or two of your uh, favorite stories that come to mind? Sure. So he, um, firstly, he had his Kriya initiation through Yukteswar um, in, in this part of the story. And he, although he had received the technique twice before um, through other, you know, uh, disciples or descents from from through from Lehi Mahashai. He, this was obviously he said it was a completely unique and different experience, and you know the the, the light of the, the light in the spiritual eye was glowing, and he says something along those lines. But moreover, the initiation is not just about receiving the technique; it's obviously about establishing the guru disciple relationship, and. We're, we are reminded that meditation isn't the goal. Like So the technique isn't the goal. The technique is the means to attain to the goal. And that is why, you know, Sri Yukteswar's initiation to, for Yogananda, even though he already had the technique, was so important. And that's true for all of us, um, whether or not we are yet, yet have the technique. Because um, lots of, uh, you know, you can probably read the technique on the internet, um, but that doesn't mean that you have been initiated. Um, there's a there's a very, very big difference. Um, yeah, and there's other stories that we can go. But what, what do you think of that uh, that part of the story? I suppose. Like, I'll let you jump in first here. Yeah, it's it's really about. Um, like Priyank said, the guru-disciple relationship. So when they, like one of the first conversations that they had in, when you go in the autobiography, you see there, the, they talk back and forth, like Guruji has like 
like he tells him you move back in with your parents and you you go you go to you go to college and he was like no i'm done with school now college i don't want to do that but he he was like doing all those things um and then he, the last question he asked him uh, will you reveal god to me and then um he says a master's promise is like um once you have it it cannot be revoked so um Sri Yukteswar doesn't give it to him lightly. They, he says they a one-hour conversation ensued, and they <laughs> talked about it. But in the end, um, Sri Yukteswar said yes, and and then Yogananda describes it like a heavy burden came off him, and he felt like he finally achieved. He finally found this guru that will show him, uh, reveal God to him, and that is that is really the goal. And I guess like that's also what. Kriya initiation is for for us when we get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and Yogananda talks about this quite a lot, doesn't he? You know, whenever whatever path you choose to try to find God, stick to it steadfast. You know, and, and commit to it. And talks a lot about the committal that you would, what you put in, you get out. So instead of doing that, you know, many people might look to. A dozen or two dozen or who, whoever so happens to be in the town, you know, talking about God that day, you know, they would go around and um, you know, follow many different uh, teachers. Uh, but the importance of the guru-disciple relationship um, is also depicted in um, uh, the Jesus and John Baptist story. Uh, the, the lineage is very important to, to stick together through many lives, you know, and, and work together to overcome all the obstacles. So yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. I mean, for, for me, um, there is a couple of stories that maybe just it kind of resounded to my ego and kind of struck a chord with me to some degree. There was one where I think there was, Yogananda was uh, quite jealous of a uh, another devotee that came into the hermitage. And uh, he was, this boy seemed to be the uh, given favor to them uh, by, I think it was Sri Hikteshwar, right? And um, uh, this, this, uh, this boy wasn't the best disciple. He didn't show up, you know, every, you know on, on time. He wasn't very reliable, you know, to his meditations and to his uh, duties. But still, he was looked upon very fondly by Sri Hikteshwar. But um, there was a course of events where he was given warnings and, you know, you've really got to get your life back on track um, or else, you know, uh, you're, you're going to kind of fall on, fall off this bandwagon and uh, the, the warnings weren't heeded and, and, uh, and lo and behold, uh, you know, the, the things happened that, uh, you know, Sri Yukteswar and others had, uh, had uh, envisaged. And really it taught me a lot about the, again, the discipline that um, Sri Yukteswar had for, himself and for, for his devotees um, and the realism of you can be so close to finding, you know, your answers in life, to, to finding God, uh, knocking on the doorstep, being with a realized being like Sri Yukteswar and still mess it up. You know, you, you can come very close. So for me, um, you know, that, that was like one of the stories in the hermitage at the time that really kind of struck me that, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of work 
And just to go back to the theme of this minute, uh, there's a whole lot of work that needs to be put in to, uh, to the disciple-guru relationship uh, and the meditation and doing your chores and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just me. So really, for this minute, I think... There's know, a few other stories, from... first of all, oh, that I wanted to yeah. say. Yeah, so in, in amidst all this stuff, um, uh, in this minute, let's just talk about stuff before he became a Swami. So there was a few and very nice stories as the two penniless boys in Brindavan. This kind of happened at this sort of time. Interestingly, in the autobiography of Yogi, it was placed in between first meeting with Sri Yukteswar and officially joining, you know, the 10 years in the ashram business. So there's that. Um, and Mike and I did a fantastic little play over one Christmas, didn't we? Fundraiser or something at the London Centre. Maybe we can, Mike, let's get, let's track that uh, video down. We can post it on our, we can post <laughs> it on our Instagram. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, basically, yeah, there was that. Um, and then there was um, the fact that, as Mike said, that he carries on his studies. Uh, Yukteswar asked him to carry on his studies. And obviously that delighted his father. And then he also told him to return home. And uh, again, that delighted his father. And then as a bargaining chip, as Mike mentioned, uh, he said, um, you've got to promise to reveal God to me. And then and that whole thing happened. So that was that quite cool thing. And the other funny thing is that apparently Fishwar was a very stupendous snorer. And I also am a stupendous snorer. So, and <laughs> my name, uh, Deshwar's name was, um, was it Priya? Not um, was it Bria Natkar? That's it, which is similar to uh, my first name. So I, I like to think I'm similar to Sri Yukteswar in some minute, <laughs> minute ways. <laughs> but um, interesting, interesting things happened when he was in college. I'll just read out a section from a biography, and you guys can jump in as to the relevance of this at the end. Makunda's limited attendance at college produced a new friend who would remain an integral part of his life and work for almost 20 years. His name was Basu Kumar Bhagji, and he was almost exactly two years Mukunda's junior. In Mejda, Basu is described as talented, intelligent, and religious-minded. He and his Brahmin family were devotees of Baduri Mahashaya, the levitating saint. And he, at Mukunda's suggestion, was initiated into Kriya Yoga by Swami Kebalananda. Basu and Mukunda became so inseparable that at one point, Basu lived clandestinely at Forgarpur Road because he could not find enough privacy at home to meditate properly. Years later, as Swami Dirananda, he would serve as Yogananda's collaborator and chief lieutenant until their bond suffered a heartbreaking breaking rapture. So this is when, this is later on, we'll get to know more about this heartbreaking rapture, um, rupture uh, that between Swami Dhirananda and uh, Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda, as it would have been at that point. But uh, this, this was the moment in his life where they first met so it was at this time, during the 10 years in Master's Hermitage, which will be very relevant for our future minute. I can't tell you exactly which one. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. I guess a lot of the, a lot of the spiritual people that, that he worked with later on in the, 
in the um, in the school in Ranchi, and also people who helped him with his work, carry on his work in India while he's going to America. He met in those 10 years while he was at the ashram there. And, and I didn't know about this story, but it makes sense. I'm guessing yeah. this is from the Phil Bol for Goldberg. That's or right, that's right. Um, and there's that, that's, there's also there's that um, other bit in the autobiography where Yogananda is getting massacred by mosquitoes and the famous line yeah. that, <laughs> the famous line that Sri Yukteswar then tells him, be rid of mosquito consciousness. I've and, tried it uh, so many times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rid yourself. <laughs> Just as they're biting you on the temple. Rid yourself. <laughs> the mosquito doesn't exist. I do not exist. This world does not exist. <laughs> what I found so interesting about that story was that he actually tells Yogananda to go out and buy mosquito nets. And he says, don't just buy one for yourself, buy one for me as well. Otherwise, it will all bite me. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, he goes like, yeah, um, you can set them up or not. But um, it's, really, it's, it's really something that is about your mind. And then I thought, um, maybe when a mosquito bites me, it's really my fault because I'm in mosquito consciousness. But I feel like it's more like, with his divine powers, he could tell the mosquitoes not to bite him. So I, I don't feel, I'm not sure if the moral of the story is don't buy mosquito nets. I feel like it, <laughs> it is more like a demonstration that um, if you are a divine yogi, you don't need them. I've got a, um, you go on, Chris. I was just going to say that to add to that, it's, um, you know, you, you, we, we talk about this, uh, reality is a creation of our own consciousness to the degree of which we want to experience you know cer certain uh, aspects of life and living and maybe maybe uh, it's the resistance of, of the mosquitoes to try to fight them for the injustice of it happening that uh, is what often goes goes through my mind but you know before I can get to this this blissful state of uh, you know anti you know non mosquito consciousness i i bought myself a mosquito net in <laughs> i'm working on it most days but <laughs> i'm still i'm still waking up to one or two do you have mosquitoes that are like the size of your fist and um oh god no um thank, i've seen some not. colossal ones thankfully not no there's just an army of, of very small ones that you can see in the vision of you know the, the periphery but uh do they yeah. do they annoy you by buzzing past your ear and then you're like ah mosquito consciousness <laughs> yeah well you know it's funny my Bar barbara's uh, my fiance has told me you know this is a good good thing that whenever they wake you up in the middle of the night then you can meditate more i'm not waking up naturally at 3 a.m to meditate so uh, thank you mosquitoes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not quite. Uh, Prank, you had uh, you had another story to share. Go, go ahead. Did I? I can't remember now. I think so. You had. Um, I think actually you you talked about um, the uh, the condition that Yogananda um, or Young Makunda would agree to. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, so I think Michael already Michael already uh, mentioned that. But in in that, um, you know, they had they said an hour long verbal tussle ensued, um, and 
and it said a master's word cannot be falsified. The implication in the pledge opens out vast metaphysical physical vistas. A guru must be on intimate terms indeed with the creator before he can obligate him to appear. I sensed Sri Yukteswar's divine unity and was determined as a disciple to press my advantage. You are of exacting disposition. My alarm just went off. <laughs> then, master... <laughs> then master's consent rang out with compassionate finality. Let your wish be my wish. And you know, that, that the way that he's concluded that is so beautiful, isn't it? It reminds me also from you know that section in the autobiography when Mahatar Babaji is agreeing to stay on this physical plane and he he responds to someone saying if it makes no difference whether you're here or there well why don't you stay for here forever then he said fine he kind of says god's uh, god god spoken his wishes through your through your lips and you know it reminds you it's such poetic uh, poetic language isn't it? it just inspires you to read read more poetry but everything's in the autobiography of the yogi but you know this um this hour-long verbal tussle that was ensuing i was thinking about that i wonder what stuff they were talking about <laughs> we t- testing him right he was probably asking him questions like wouldn't you prefer a wife and uh and children or something like that Ooh, so interesting Probably trying to make sure that he... uh, Mike, Mike, you you play Sri Yukteswar and I'll play Mukunda. <laughs> so, will you promise to reveal God to me? So, do you even know what this means? Are you... <laughs> you've, got, you've got the hard job, Mike. <laughs> God, do you promise? God is everywhere, <laughs> but I can't see him. Do you promise to show him? <laughs> God only reveals himself to the ones he wants to reveal himself to. Chris, you try. This is a stone wall. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather be I'd rather be Mukunda because I've got questions as well. Go on, ask him. Mike is in the Sriyukteshwar mode. Ask him. What, what, what is the best technique to knowing God? Uh, Kriya Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Plus devotion. Plus devotion. Plus devotion. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Very Love. nice. Lovely, guys. Um, so by this by this minute, really, we, we know more about Sri Yukteswar. We know more about the, the uh, hermitage early days. Uh, and it's taken us up to quite a similar minute, uh, next, next minute. So um, with that, do we have anything that we would like to add? Anything we missed or would want to include? That we didn't. Priyank, is there anything from yourself? Yeah, so the last line from the minute um, kind of talks about the the wisdom. Um, in in addition, I'll open in you the eye of wisdom. And this scene kind it is all it's like he's bestowing the divine vision or the uh, samadhi experience. So I think we'll talk about that in the next minute in some significant detail. But I think that's what that that line and that scene was portraying, because kind of light, the halo of light comes out of out of that image. Yes, sorry, that's right. Yeah, um, and it's a rather there's a rather um, eye-opening um, uh, part in the autobiography about this, isn't there? 
uh, on, on what you're going on the seas and why he experiences it and does a pretty good job at, uh, you know, describing what must be quite a uh, difficult um, experience to describe in words. Um, so yeah, we can go into that in more detail next, but it, Mike, is there anything from, from yourself? No, I think we've covered it all. Lovely. Well, with that, thank you very thank much you. for joining us. Thank you very much, Chris. Take care. Thank you, guys.